0: Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook. If you would like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Um, the book we're going to deal with today is uh, written by Dan Burt uh, no bacon. A uh, former member of Chumbawamba, uh, with illustrations by Alex Cox, of course, director of Repo Men, Sid and Nancy, Walker, and a bunch of other great films. And uh, the book's called Three Dead Princes, uh, an anarchist fairy tale, which sounds awesome already, and um, and it's got an Iggy Pop blurb, which is hard to come by. Like This is a beautiful book. Um, anyway, it's a, it looks like a really cool book, and uh, we're really excited to have... Uh, Dan Burt, uh, Nobacon here. Unfortunately, Alex Cox got caught in, uh, he, he couldn't get to his flight. So um, he's not going to be able to be here, but uh, Dan Burt's very personable, and you know we've been friends for a long time. He's very talented, and uh, he's also a singer-songwriter. So he's going to play some songs for you, in addition to talking about the book. So um, with all that said, let's uh, welcome Dan Burt, Nobacon. No Nobacon.
1: Uh, Thank you, and uh, good evening, and thanks for coming. Uh, I should probably read some of the book. Uh, This is only my second reading. I did one a couple of weeks ago. In uh, I live in uh, Washington State, uh, North Central Washington, about 45 miles from Canada, as the crow flies. I drove down this week, I haven't done a road trip that long for a long time, but I had uh, quite a bit of fun by myself listening to music and making up songs and uh, drinking coffee. And uh, so without further ado, Three Dead Princes. Uh, Alex Cox's partner, Todd Davis, who is the uh, founder and publisher of Exterminating Angel Press, uh, asked me uh, probably about a year and a half ago, she rang up and said, uh, would you fancy writing a, a, a book, uh, maybe an anarchist fairy tale? And I said, well, I, I will have a go. I don't know. But, uh, so I wrote a couple of chapters and she liked them. And uh, having deadlines and things like that really helped me because I've tried to write books before and never completed. So uh, I'm quite happy to be here today uh, reading from it. And it comes out on October 1st, but we have them here as you can see. Uh, okay, Three Dead Princes, Prologue. Once upon a hiccup in time, there was a sort of fairy tale world. That is, it was, as we might imagine, a fairy tale world to be, with sort of castles and sort of knights riding around on sort of horses, occasionally stumbling upon sort of monsters and people generally being in the thrall of strange magicery going on. But there was something else about it too, something we cannot quite put our finger on, or, as the fool would have said, the bird laid an egg, but I'm ahead of myself now, and in truth the black bird was a boy, not a boy, but a boy bird, you begin to see how, this whole world is off kilter somehow, Uh, and it is a tale of a a teenage protagonist named Stormy, Princess Stormy, and uh, she finds herself in a... Complicated situations, not of her own making, and uh, having accidentally killed one prince, she is on the run with the fool, and they are trying to find her dad, who is King Walterbald. Uh, I've gone to the wrong chapter. Where'd it go? Ah, here we go. Chapter 9. I can show you the illustrations. We were supposed to have them projected, but uh, Alex was going to talk about the uh, illustrations. He's never illustrated a book before, so he was quite happy as well. And uh, this is chapter nine, A Gig at the Grackle Tavern. Stormy and the Fool rode their donkeys relentlessly north and west. It was a mostly cloudy, moonless night, and not at all easygoing on the less well-used trails. Only the occasional glimpse of the a glimpse of the pole star gave them reassurance. By mid-morning, they were heading high into the mountains. The sun rose and warmed their backs. It felt like spring as the trail wound its way skyward towards an unseen pass. Particular zigs or zags gave them brief glimpses of a snow-covered peak beyond which lay the great ice wall. They rode on, not daring to stop for rest, reached the mountain pass by late afternoon, and began their descent into the next valley over. The sun cast its glare on a lake far below. It would be nightfall soon. Uh, We need to go into a town, the fool said, worried. Uh, There's a place I know down below. We can rest there. As the warm day melted into twilight, the fool and the princess entered the small lakeside town of Godman Godmanchia. There were few people on Main Street, but Stormy didn't dare raise her head to look at their faces. Her attention, anyway, was drawn to a low noise coming from a leaning building down at the end of the street. As they neared, the noise of boisterous voices got louder, and Stormy could see the decrepit look of a building, which was wholly out of place among the austere, And well kept houses of the town. Here it is, said the fool, thinking to himself it had been a long time. The gob stained Grackle Tavern. Dismounting and indicating Stormy, do the same, he whispered, Trust me. He helped her down and hitched the donkeys to the rail. It'll just be one drink and you'll be in a comfy bed before you know it. We just have to establish our presence so people won't think anything of it. Follow my lead and you'll be fine. Pulling open the doors, they entered the tavern, the noise and smells hit Stormy full in the face. It was busy inside and nobody in particular looked at them as they found a small table away from the bar. If you had looked at the fool and Stormy, you would not think them to be an entertainer and a princess. You would think them an entertainer and, well, another possibly apprentice entertainer. This is exactly what the first person to notice Stormy thought anyway. Ooh, why the long face, Miss, life's too short, said the brash young tavern-miz. Stormy looked at the fool, the tavern-miz looked from Stormy to the fool and asked in a friendly voice, what will it be then? Some fresh?" Jail to enliven your thespian livers, and then you'll play us some rompompompompagal, I shouldn't wonder. The fool nodded. What, said Stormy below her breath to the fool, is she talking about? She thinks, said the fool, smiling his first natural smile of the day, that we are travelling players. Before Stormy could reply, the tavern miz had plumped two jars of ales on the table before them, and in spite of the wine wrapped traumas of the night before, Stormy took the jug by the horns with a great gulp of the beer. That's better, in it? laughed the tavern miz. You are sixteen, she went on, taking a stern closer look at Stormy. Only joking, I knows you are, lovey. Then, as some other reveler loudly called her attention, the tavern miz wheeled away. The fool broke the spell first and looked at the now slightly less bedraggled Stormy. Tastes good, eh? he said as Stormy took another gulp. She nodded. She hadn't realized how thirsty she was or how hungry. We'll get food, he reassured her, as if reading her thoughts. As the fool was looking around for signs of what food might be on offer and trying to attack attract the attention of the tavern is again there was a ruckus behind them at the front door three soldiers were blustering their way in suddenly the fool was alert Fox like animal radar attuned change of plan he said under his breath to stormy my girl the great God Joe could not thought up as a better disguise stormy looked at him flummoxed what do you mean just follow my lead. I know you can do it. And with the words, do what, frozen on Stormy's lips, the fool stood up with the gravitas that only draped his spindly form when he engaged in the plying of his trail. Fellow trade, sorry. Fellow swillers, sit back, relax, hush, be still. I have news, I command your attention. Uh, Take a slug like the ale, tickle your tonsils, and hold your belief in suspension. Uh, We tell a tale of many terrors and a girl caught between a rock and a life on the run, on the wrong side of a vengeful warrior queen who held the girl murdered her son. The crowd cooed, and then the fool looked to storm with a slight nod of his head as a musician would to his bandmates, indicating that she come in with her parts. Not quite comprehending, Stormy felt her legs act on their own, bringing her to standing and the muscles in her face contorting, shaping a begoggled O shape as if about to launch into song murmur to her right and she saw the soldiers and instantly understood. Her discomfort fell away like a loosely tied cloak. She lifted her arms in an opening theatrical gesture and half sang. I I killed him, that is, I mean, I kissed him, that is, the girl in this tale did long ago. He didn't deserve that, but he was drunk beyond lewd. I shoved him off and his head cracked a post. To die, oh, at the hands of an undergirl, the prince cried as he gasped his last breath. I was meant for great things, you are cursed now, you girl, and my mother will hunt you to death. Boys, always the same when things go wrong, they always go crying to mum, and this one would never have made a good king, carrying on like he did with his... Thing, at this, Stormy post, for the whole place was in uproar, as if the tavern walls themselves were rolling with mirth. She looked at the fool who smiled reassuringly, indicating in the secret language of performers that she dazzled them some more, and for all she was worth. Well, Katie, that's the girl, resolved to outrun them. Instead of waiting for death to call her, she fled fast on a donkey to the Black Count Mountains, from whence none have ever returned and then something must have half-clicked in the brain of the lead soldier who stood in front of his comrades in the crowd barely six feet from Stormy herself the similarity between the story being told and his task at hand must have suddenly dawned he banged his staff on the wooden floor and announced we search for a girl who murdered a prince it is said and we've orders to apprehend her and any you help her so well if any of you folks know anything then you best be telling us sharpest like Stormy held her breath. The head soldier looked at her directly and asked, "'You ever done a gig at her castle, miss? Over the mountains away?' "'How old is this girl, and what does she look like?' said the fool, stepping into the questions. "'Oh, she's a princess from the mountains, all the thirteen, but what she looks like, we don't have much sense.' "'She ain't been in here if she's only thirteen, said the tavern, miss, to the head soldier. "'We can't let her in. It's county cold, you see.' thus befuddling a man who liked orders uh, keep your peepers peel, spake the soldier she's blonde with blue eyes quipped the fool I, I don't know well I've heard that's the rumor the soldiers nodded with all in the room asked the fool in his stride when she came what's her name and how would we know her complexion uh, princess alexand something some wilson said the soldier tackling his brains ah the rose of the fair-skinned Moranian folk you construe well this young flibberty maiden i met her once on her birthday i was master of jokes but i'm shocked by her crime of passion Ah, these things happen even to Royals, nay, said the soldier, shaking his brain cells. But much better informed, we go on our way, so thanks and the one God bless y'all. The fool smiled at Stormy and she looked back, her brown hair now down to her shoulders where it had shaken free from its plaits, framed her brown eyes, light brown skin, and lips that cracked in a cheeky curve. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I'll read a little bit more in a uh, a while. I'm sort of evolving a way of how to do readings. I have attended a few readings and I I thought I'd play a a couple of songs while you might want to be thinking of questions, I'll answer questions as well. And uh, I uh, sort of realized uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was thinking about this that a lot of my songs have literary references in or connections I guess I read lots of books, and I enjoy being in bookstores for an hour or two, and just uh, moseying around. So, uh, I don't need those. Uh, I have a new CD coming out, I should have had it today, but the best laid plans, uh, I will have it in a couple of weeks. And uh, this first song is from CD. And it features such luminaries as Charles Darwin and uh, Jared Diamond, to name a couple. And uh, it, it it its funny. I, I'd been writing this record, and that's when Todd asked me to write the book. So, uh, of all the songs, this is probably the one that was closest close, closest which. <laughs> got intermingled with the book closer, so it, it shares some of the themes. Uh, I should probably add that the story, Three Dead Princes is set uh, approximately 162,000 years in the future. Uh, human civilization collapsed, we're not sure why, but some people survived, survived and some evolved, and uh, This is where Charles Darwin comes in. like this. This time it's the last time we have a good time. Then it's done. This race is run. So I propose a toast to Charles Darwin. Jared Diamond, David Sloan, Wilson, and all who came after them for giving us the tools to comprehend where we came from, how we got here, and where we're bound. But I curse the return of the laughing policeman with every fiber in my broken body and that mutant cultural gene that is so successfully enlisted us in our own sad farewell to H.G. Wells who once wrote When the Lights we're going out all over europe that human history is a race between education and a catastrophe that embraces us now need be to the end colonies for beating a path Towards community And we were on track But we got knocked back By the vertically integrated Humbug of capital So I cursed the return Of the laughing policeman With every adaption fiber in my broken body, and that mutant cultural gene that has so successfully replicated itself in you and me. This third degree is getting a little hard to take. I woke up Wedding on a Christmas Day. And if you were the only girl in the world, and I was the only boy, we'd procreate even knowing what we know. I propose a toast to the human race And all our attempts to cooperate All of that staring into each other's eyes The adaptation to communicate to survive for sake of few hundred thousand years, the answers was there, staring us in the face. An adaptation as beautiful as it is unusual, and it's written on the whites of our eyes. Oh yes, it's written upon of our eyes Uh, Thank you. And uh, uh, that song mentioned David Sloan Wilson who wrote a book called Evolution for Everyone and in it he describes how uh, humans amongst all primates are the only one with visible eye whites and uh, he suggests that that, that adaptation evolved so, because humans had to cooperate to survive uh, back when they were hunter-gatherers. And uh, I think even these days a lot of us yearn for some kind of community. And uh, as I said, this theme features in the But has anyone got any questions at this point? Or should I carry on? I've got a question. Hang on a minute. Aha, the stowaway. I thought he might be here. Not Mr. Cox, unfortunately, but Mr. Death. Here he is. Yes. And to illustrate the fact, you see... Yeah, to illustrate, I know, I know, but... Yeah. He's got the visible eye whites, you see. The first thing Disney uh, animators do when they want to humanize their cartoon animals, they give them visible eye whites. Yeah, right. Anyway like I said, where are they? Uh where are who, Mr Death? You know No? Yeah The three dead princes where are they? Well, they're not not here tonight, Mr Death. We're here to read about them, and you may go find them at your own leisure. Yeah, well, I will and all right, but... uh, Hey, who's all these here, eh? I can see I've got my work cut out tonight, oh, yeah. No, Mr Death, there's been none of that. You are here at the graciousness of my own... Uh... Yeah, well, whatever, Mr Norvacom, but I'll tell you something else. One of these days... One of these days what? One of these days... No, Mr. Death, uh, I think we do have a question for you. Yeah, well, what is it like? How the devil are you? Well... As you know, it, it, we're experiencing hard times, and it, it can be very hard for me and all, you know, because you not thinking of a recession that I'd, be, like, I'd have more work on the hands than ever, but I do want like, to so keep subcontracting it, so I'm jiggered, and, you know, I, I'm getting too old for all this. Well, you're looking very good on it, Mr. Death. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, these lot are looking very good and all. Where are we? Los Angeles, City of Angels. Oh, bloody hell. Uh, Mr. Death, I I am actually in the middle of something, so maybe I uh, should continue. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, shall we rock in there, will you? Oh, well, I'll be seeing you lot later on, eh? Yeah, right. Good night. Mr. Death, uh, I was applying the paper mache as we uh, drove down I-5 South. Uh, I, I actually built one from scratch, and he uh, was so heavy, and the mouth didn't work. And uh, but he, did, he does whatever he wants, Mr. Death. So. so good by me. I shall read a bit more, and then uh, maybe have another song and uh, so. Like I said, I'm exploring the connections between uh, writing books and writing songs. I've been writing songs for many years. I've tried to write books for many years. Uh, and finally, the two seem to have come together. So, uh, I'm quite pleased about that. Uh, as I said, the, uh, the the story is set in the future, and uh, some humans survived and evolved, and some animals evolved. and. Uh, Hence the, uh, the sort of monsters in this tale, some of which exist in dreams, but some of which exa- uh, actually exist. And uh, this is the black bird on the front. I shall, uh, I shall read to you where uh, Stormy and the Fool and Assorted Others meet the black bird for the first time. Chapter 14, the black bird. What's that? said the fool, rubbing his eyes and pulling himself up on the couch bed. I said it really is time she met the bird, said an exasperated witch in the ditch. I just coached a message bird down, you see, comes from Bald Mountain, but it tells news from King Jude in Rockport. Uh, ''What news?'' said the fool, shaking himself awake. ''The Usarians, they have an army of boats up the north coast, sailing beyond Rockport. They will soon be sailing up the mouth of the Lumbiana,'' he says. ''Powered by slaves,'' he says. ''Once they reach the River Bold Falls, they...'' ''Boats? Boats? What boats?'' gasped the fool. ''They're like floating cities,'' says Jude. ''Five hundred fighting men on each of them.'' ''Queer creatures makes up many of the number,'' he says. ''There's ten ships. No one's ever dreamed it.'' ''Gwyn Merelda says. ''It's all addressed to Walter Ball, of course.'' ''She says he has to get his ass back as fast as it can fart.'' The fool was wide awake now. Glamour came into the room, rubbing her eyes. ''What's all the ruckus? It's barely past sunup.'' "Emergency and Merania,'' howled her mother. ''Go wake the girl.'' Stormy was asleep, but not for long. You mean the Azarians are about to invade Morania? But, but how? Why? clamoured Stormy, clutching her mug of tea. "'It's all my fault, isn't it?' she burst out. "'For killing that stupid prince. "'And I didn't mean to,' she wailed. "'But then she stopped. "'The thought came to her. "'It was his fault. "'I might not not like it, but I can't undo what I've done.' "'From which it would be seen that Stormy was indeed changing. "'Well, there will be another prince or two on them warships, no doubt,' "'quipped the witch. "'Mother!' Glamour said, looking at Stormy. "'She sat beside the princess.' put a comforting arm around her and gave the witch a disparaging look. No, it's okay, thanks, Stormy said grimly to her friend, but she squeezed her hand as she said it. The fool stood up and began pacing. Uh, this has nothing to do with you, other than the fact that you are Moranian. The why is simple, since as long as we can remember, Usarian rulers have, ar- have eyed Morania's metal reserves jealously. Ha! Interrupted the witch. They be jealous is why. Never met a an loser, and who could stand to see someone else having a good time? That Mercurio was bad enough, but their mother, to his brothers Toromus and Brigadio, are war wolves to be sure. Her eyes narrowed. Nukiander and Mercurio and the courtship deal, it was all a ploy, spat the fool. It was all a diversion while the warfleet sailed north. He laughed, but there was a proud look in his eye. Didn't know they'd get you, though, did they, Alexandra, Stormy, bald Wilson? Stormy frowned. We have to find my dad. I sent out word already, squawked the witch. And as if on cue, a bird flew into the half-open front door, clattering across the floor in a scuff of feathers. It was a humble message bird, smaller than a hen. The poor thing looked exhausted. The witch scuttled over to relieve the bird of its burden, lifting it onto the counter where a bowl of water waited. After the bird had gulped, bird-sized gulps, the witch untied the note wrapped around its leg, and unrolling it read aloud, Keep your air on, comrades. Eat a good breakfast. This is very important. I will be with you before it is settled. It's signed, M, cooed the witch. Holy joke, announced the fool. Has the bird ever come down the mountain to visit upon anyone? Stormy looked perplexed. I, I mean, one has to go and find the bird. He doesn't come to you, explained the fool. Is he really on his way, Ma? said Glamour with a strange excitement. Really? Truly? "'I never knowed it before, but that's what he says,' said the witch. To Stormy's surprise, Glamour blushed, but she avoided her friend's eyes and bustled about making breakfast. The next moments were filled with breakfast and speculation. Time passed slowly, but in the time it takes to cook up some eggs, eat them and have a second cup of tea, in the time it would have taken for that cup of tea to cool were it not drunk still hot, a shadow crossed the eastern window.' ''You'd better come out,'' said a voice in a deep bass growl. ''I wouldn't take kindly to ruffling my feathers on your hovel posts.'' Stormy, who was nearest the door, led the four of them into the warming mountain sunlight, and there, preening his enormously long black feathers, stood the black bird. Fool, witch, and you must be Stormy, my, you have grown, and you are. Uh, Glamour, sir, said the witch's daughter, blushing again. To a surprise, and even with other things to think about, Stormy suddenly saw that her friend had a crush on the giant bird, and why wouldn't she? Standing some twelve or more feet tall, the black bird looked part grackle, part raven, part raptor, and part handsome devil. Unusually, however, this bird had teeth, which made its giant beak, very severe looking. On each foot his dangerously sharp talons were made up of three forward-facing claws and a fourth opposable thumb claw. Each claw was the girth of a man's thigh and just when it seemed the bird could impose his presence no more, he flared his feather pants, hunching his shoulders back so the wingtips crossed behind him. He looked all the more regal. The bird was indeed black, black feathers, black beak, black legs, black mouth lining as he opened his beak wide, yawning, but his eyes were different. The milky whitish, nictating membrane that protected them masked a brilliant, fiery red ring around black pupils. And then the strangest thing happened. The bird blinked and his third eyelid rolled back, revealing those red eyes. With a birdish shake of the head, the vivid red faded, revealing a more natural-looking brown with unusually bright eye whites. Shocking as this sudden transformation was. It gave the bird an altogether mellower and more approachable appearance. It was, in truth, a most staggeringly noble-looking bird. Just shaking the nut-flight sight, he said to no one in particular. And as if flexing that brain inside its massive head, the blackbird shook his crown and bowed towards Stormy. Hmm, he said. You have a look of your mother. Stormy bowed back. You, who, you, you know me, she stammered. Ah, yes, but first you should know me. I am in no particular order. The blackbird, black beak, red eyes, wolf bird known to my friends as Emur, or M for short, scientifically as well, my kind defies the usual classifications, so most people call me the Gricklegrack. The grackle part is scientifically a misnomer, but it stuck. I was a good friend of your mother, and through her I became friends with your father. You won't remember, but I met you when you were two winters old. Stormy didn't remember, and even if she had, the idea that this monster, majestic as he was, had been friends with her mother was more stunning. You knew my mother, said Stormy dreamily, and then, like it was pushing off, from the bottom of a deep pool, a more urgent thro- thought broke the surface, bursting for breath. Do you know where my dad is? Yes, and yes. Yes, your mother was the bravest young woman I have an- ever known, and I hope for no less from her daughter. At this, the blackbird looked sternly at Stormy, who immediately straightened her back. He gave her a look of qualified approval. And yes, I know where your father is. I've come to take you to him. Oh no, the fool whistled. But the blackbird turned a quelling eye his way, and he was still. First, the bird went on. But what about my dad, bawled Stormy, stepping forward. Stormy, before bravery comes wisdom, and before both comes patience. Stormy took a deep breath, stepped back, and the bird... Nodded, nodded his approval again. Uh, thank you. Uh, has anyone any questions thus far? Okay, I have another song, which uh, has a literary connection. In fact, no, it, it is actually ripped off. Uh, the words uh, they're in the public domain now, but. Uh, <laughs> The words are from Shakespeare, King Lear, which I studied at school under much protest but realised later it was quite actually interesting and of course King Lear has a character, the original fool, not the original but probably the most memorable fool character and uh, I guess that's where the fool in this book, Three Dead Princes, sort of came from Uh, and then he uh, ploughed his own furrow, so to speak. This is uh, Shakespeare blues, I guess. Fools never had Less grace in a year for wise men are grown foppish I know not how their wits to wear their manners are so apish Blow winds, crack your cheeks, rage blow you cataracts, and hurricane o' you know, spout. Till you have drenched our steeples, trying to the cocks, ye sufferers and thought executing fires, Vaughn couriers of Oak Cleaving, thunderbolts. Singe my bald head Strike flat the thick rotundity Oh, oh, the world oh. Crack nature's moles, all gems Spill at once that makes him grateful man uh, William Shakespeare, of course Uh, Talking of Shakespeare, he had a contemporary named Christopher Marlowe. I don't know why, but Mr. Marlowe popped up in one of my songs as well, which I I wrote about 15 years ago, but alluded to this subconscious uh, uh, desire of mine to uh, link literature and uh, 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 lyrics, I guess. I'm in love with a pop song, three minutes long, rough around the edges, but everything fits. No logic, just a sweet sensation. like Christopher Marlowe this song paints a thousand pictures reduced from a million words instantly dismissed but then it sticks and hey 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 when it hits like a fix of inspiration a throwaway line redefining defining what we know and what we thought we knew about feeling something. I'm in love with a pop song, three minutes long. Something to whistle while I am at work. So the verse is KY Jelly for the main line for the melody And you know me I like messing with form Where messing about is off limits Da da perfectly formed. Atoms colliding, collapsing, singing, I'm in love with the ghost of heaven of Troy. Gates of heaven, gates of heaven, gates of heaven are rusted to hell and destroyed. This guitar is a hammer. Dyslexic propaganda. This is my culture. Cause I'm a TV baby. I don't mean maybe. All grown up and delinquentized. F- and I'm in love with a pop song. I'm in love with a pop song. I'm in love with a pop song. Three minutes long. So, uh, uh, I guess if anyone has any questions, I will be happy to answer them. I can explain a little bit more about the book or if anyone wants to buy the book and have it signed or anything like that uh... maybe now would be the time to do it uh... thanks for coming i appreciate it and uh... cool thanks skylight books for having me a wonderful bookshop i have never been in but if i am ever passing by again which sooner or later i probably will be i shall stop by uh, i've seen like fifteen books i want to buy but <laughs> Uh, we'll see cool thanks
0: let's hear it it was great and I I didn't know about Mr. Death you have been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com today's music was provided by Fragile Gang You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.